Welcome to the Hutto Community Church Podcast. HCC is located in Hutto, Texas, and is led by Pastor Russell Daniel. For more information, please check out our website at huttocommunitychurch.org. Today, as we celebrate dedicating uh, our building to the Lord, I was thinking about all the different ways that normal people celebrate things like this, right? Like when you move into a new home, most of the time you have some kind of housewarming party and you invite your family, your friends over, and you probably do a barbecue or you grill some burgers or uh, maybe a brisket if you're into that kind of thing. If you're a business and you're doing your grand opening, you're probably inviting the Chamber of Commerce over and you're going to have a pretty little ribbon that you'll do a ribbon cutting ceremony. And uh, as I was kind of reading about different ways people celebrate, apparently when you um, I guess, launch a boat on its maiden voyage. You're supposed to pop a bottle of champagne uh, and christen the boat, however that works. Uh, so there's all kinds of different ways that people celebrate things like this. But when it comes to the church and it, when it comes to our faith, uh, we really celebrate a little bit differently because there's a spiritual side to all that we do. Now, when you think about the Bible, and you think about all the celebrations that happen, there's one celebration in my mind uh, of a building that stands out. And that is when Solomon dedicates the temple to the Lord. And so we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 8 today. So if you want to turn over there, and let me just give you a little bit of background information about what's going on. So Solomon, uh, when he starts building the temple, has been king for four years. Uh, he begins to establish his throne by putting all of his father David's enemies to death. And then he goes ahead and puts all his enemies to death as well. And so everybody knows that nobody's going to mess with King Solomon. From there, Solomon begins to acquire great wealth. And so he begins building not only the temple for the Lord, but also a palace for himself. His wisdom is established throughout that entire region, and he's known as the wisest man on earth. And when we come to the end of the building of the temple, which took seven years, so King Solomon has now been king for 11 years, he's ready to party, and he's ready to celebrate the goodness of God. And the celebration is so big that, in fact, uh, 1 Kings 8, 5 says that they made so many sacrifices of oxen and sheep that they could not be counted. If you read down to the end of the chapter in verse 63, it says uh, that just for the peace offering, they offered 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. Now, in Texas, we call that a barbecue, okay? Right? And we're about to have some great barbecue here in just a little bit. Uh, but I think Solomon was a fan of barbecue, and that must have been the barbecue to end all barbecues. And so the Lord must really love barbecue too, because when that was happening, his presence came down and filled that temple in a cloud so thick that the priests who were ministering there could not even stay in the holy place, and they had to come out because the Lord's presence was so thick. So all barbecue jokes aside, this was a really incredibly special moment in the life of Israel and of King Solomon as the Lord came to dwell with his people. And I think that there are just two observations that I want to point out to us today to reflect our hearts back to the goodness of God. 
And so I want to read after, uh, out of 1 Kings chapter 8, and I'm going to read part of Solomon's prayer to you here, starting in verse 22. So then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands to heaven and said, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth beneath, keeping your covenant and showing steadfast love to your servants who walk before you with all their heart. You have kept with your servant David, my father, what you declared to him. You spoke with your mouth and with your hand, you have fulfilled it this day. And so the first thing that I want to point out to you today is simply the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God. Did you catch what Solomon said in his prayer? He said, um, God, you're the one who's kept the covenant. You're the one who has shown us steadfast love. You're the one who, who promised to my father David that this temple would be built. And here, it is your hand that has moved among our people and has brought it to completion. And in a, in a day and a time where we become so cynical, so fast about all kinds of things in our world, may we never become cynical about the Lord because he is faithful. He is so faithful. I mean, I just think back in, in the Old Testament to the, the time of the judges. And if you've not read the book of Judges, it's, it's like this crazy cycle that just goes like this over and over and over again, where the people of God are following him, but then uh, they begin to follow other gods. And so God begins to punish them and enemies come and uh, just take over their territory and enslave them. And so they cry out to God again, and then God sends a judge. And the judge comes and rescues the people of Israel. And then for a time, they begin to worship God again until they begin the cycle all over again after that judge's life ends. Yet throughout all of that, throughout over and over and over again, throughout the people rebelling, saying, no, the Lord is not our king. We need a king like all the other nations. God is still faithful to his people. He's still faithful to his people. God is not like our politicians who make promises and then as soon as they get elected to office, begin to break them. I, I'm a part of the Rotary Club, and by the way, the Rotary Club is now meeting here, so we get to host them uh, every Tuesday at lunch. But it's funny to watch the politicians, our local politicians, who come around election time. So two to three months before elections start, all the politicians start showing up to the Rotary Club. And they want their faces to be shown, and they want to talk to all of the people. And then as soon as the election is over, even when they win, they just disappear off the face of the earth and never come again. Faithless. But our God is faithful. I think about even in our own lives, and as you reflect on your own life, and through the ups and the downs, throughout your own rebellion and your own waywardness, God has been faithful to us. I think about his faithfulness to our church and over the last year and, and uh, 13 months really getting to this day and just God's faithfulness to hear our prayers over and over again to always meet our need, to always be there with mercy and grace for us and to bring us to this point where we have a building that we get to worship him in 
And today we're going to give this place back to him saying, this is all about you. This is not about us. This building is not about us. It's not just for our use. It's so that we might serve you. God has been so faithful to us. But I think also we see something else. Go down to verse 27. 1 Kings 8, 27. Solomon then says, But will God indeed dwell on earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I have built. So here, I think this is really important. Solomon is saying, God, here, we're sacrificing here before you, and your presence has come down so thick that my priests, they can't even minister before you anymore. But how is this house going to hold you? And guys, listen, Solomon built an amazing structure. It was made with all the finest handiwork. I mean, only the best craftsmen were there. And it's so cool that uh, this temple was built. You could not hear chisels hitting stone on site. They went and they chiseled stone somewhere else so that no, no tools were used on site. And they would bring these stones and place them. And then Solomon overlaid the whole thing in gold and all kinds of ornate um, uh, jewels. And I mean, this thing was a sight to behold. And as far as things on earth go at that time, that's first class. And Solomon says, hey, listen, I've built this incredible structure, but God, you are so great. You are so powerful. You're the one who made the heavens and the earth. How could even this feeble little house hold you? And then we read in verse 28, he says, Yet have regard to the prayer of your servant and to his plea, O Lord my God. Listen to the cry and to the prayer that your servant prays before you this day that your eyes may be open night and day towards this house, the place which you have said, my name shall be there, that you may listen to the prayer of your servant offers toward this place and listen to the plea of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place and listen in heaven, your dwelling place. And when you hear, forgive. And so what I think we see here is the commitment of God really to his people. Because here, I mean, Solomon makes it clear, you are the highest God. You're the God who created the heavens and the earth and all that is in it. Yet you've come here and you've said, this is the place where my name will dwell. And though a building cannot contain you somehow in the miraculousness of God, he sends his special presence to be in that place. And the almighty God confines himself to that place in Jerusalem because he loves his people Israel that much. That's how committed he is to them. That he would say, this is the place where you will pray and you will pray towards and I will hear your prayer. This is the place where I will heal you and where I will forgive your sins. It is a place where relationship happens. It's a very unique place. And I think um, that as we we look at the temple, there's just a, a couple of things I want to point out to you that are special, some benefits of the temple for the people of Israel. And I'm going to go through this quickly, but the, the temple was a place for Israel to pray, right? It was, a, it was a place of worship for them to make their sacrifices, for them to come, and it was a holy place for them to pray. And it was a place where God said, in, in this place, I will hear you and forgive you. 
again, a very special place. And then it was a place where his presence would be. And so as we, as the church, as we gather today and we want to dedicate this place to the Lord, we want to pray and ask here in just a few minutes that this would be a place where the Spirit of God would dwell, where this would be a place, a special place where we would be able to meet with God and where our relationship with Him would grow and would be matured, that this would be a place where God would hear our prayers and would answer them. And we know God is certainly not confined to this building, but we're praying for a special blessing on this place, just as God had a special blessing on that temple in Jerusalem. But church, we don't stop there because that's only half the story. Because while God came and dwelt in a place, he would come in the flesh in the form of Jesus. As Jesus came to earth and lived that sinless life and died on the cross for you and me. And at that moment of his death, a very crazy thing happens in the temple, that the temple curtain is torn in two. And we're not talking about like a curtain like this. You can see this is kind of thin and uh, I mean, it's thick for a curtain. It does a good job of uh, hiding light and uh, deadening the sound. But the temple curtain, I mean, you're talking about a massive layers upon layers of thick material, torn in two from top to bottom, signifying that only God could have done that. In that moment, the Lord is saying, I'm no longer confined to the people of Israel. I'm no longer confined to this place, but my spirit will go over all the earth. And then on the day of Pentecost, just uh, a few weeks later, the spirit of God comes powerfully in Acts chapter 2, and fills believers and has been filling believers from that day since. No longer does the Spirit of God come upon a person for a a given period of time and leave, but now He dwells within us. And as Gina taught us two weeks ago, we are the dwelling place of God. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 22, he says, in Him, in Christ, uh, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So this is not something we think about all the time. And if you've been in church for a very long time, uh, you're used to hearing, oh, your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that kind of rolls off our tongue. And we don't really think about that. But when you think about how God dwelt in the temple and how his presence came down so thick that the, the, the ministers could not minister anymore, you think about your body and how the Spirit now dwells within you. That same Spirit that was there that day is now within you. You are the place where God lives. It's really quite an amazing thought. Peter adds to this in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. He says, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. See, church, you're being built up. When we come together, when we worship together, when we hear the word of God, when you're reading in your devotional time, when you're praying to the Lord, when you're worshiping him in your car, you're taking those stones in your own life and building up a place that the spirit can dwell within you. And don't forget, by the way, that you are a priest before the Lord. You're a priest, a holy priesthood. Peter says it right there. 
So there's nothing special about me as a pastor or Joey as a worship leader or, or a youth pastor because the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that dwells in me, dwells in you. And then as Gina taught us uh, two weeks ago, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So church, we, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the place where the Spirit of God dwells. And I think there are some benefits to having your body be the temple of the Holy Spirit as well that, that we ought to just kind of know, but we don't really ever talk about them. So I just want to go over them with you here for a couple of minutes. Number one, uh, you don't need a mediator to go before God for you. Yeah, amen. You don't, you don't need to go to a place where a priest is to confess sins or to get prayer for something because the Spirit lives in you. You go directly to Him anytime, anywhere, any place. That means you can receive forgiveness anytime, any place. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to go to uh, make a certain confession. You don't have to say certain words. You just go say, Jesus, I'm so sorry for what I've done. Will you please forgive me? And the Spirit within you will forgive you and give you grace and mercy in that very moment. Jesus is our mediator. We don't need anyone. You can talk to God anytime you want. Again, you don't have to wait for Sundays for us to open this building so that you can have a very serious conversation that you need to actually have on Wednesday, okay? You just do it right where you are on Wednesday. You receive his mercy anytime. You can hear from him anytime. You don't need to come to me. You don't need to go to a priest or someone to hear from God and then communicate that to you. His spirit lives inside of you and will speak if you will be silent and listen to him. And then you can bring his presence anywhere. You walk into a tense meeting and a tense conversation. Church, you have the opportunity to bring the peace of God that is within you into that place. And then you get to be a witness for who God is to you. And there's so much more that we could, I mean, we could probably make a list a mile long of all the benefits of having the Holy Spirit live inside of us. So church today, what is our response to that? We've been given these awesome uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit that has gifted us to serve in all kinds of ways. We have all of these benefits that we've just talked about. How do we respond? Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2. Paul says, I appeal to you. I appeal to you, therefore. He's saying, pretty pleased with a cherry on top, all right? I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, because of his faithfulness, because of his commitment to you, pretty pleased with the cherry on top, present your body, your bodies as a living sacrifice. So not as a sacrifice that we're going to go and you're going to cut yourself open and bleed out on an altar. A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And then the verse you know so well, do not conform, uh, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Our friend Mr. Webster defines a sacrifice as an act of offering to a deity something precious, 
something precious. And so what Paul is calling us to do is to give what is most precious back to the Lord. He's calling us to give our life. And church, there's, there's nothing more precious than life, right? You can take all the rings and gold off our fingers and off our ears. You can take all the money out of the bank account, the house, the home, the car, whatever. You take all that away. And if you still have life, you still have something very precious. And oh, by the way, you still have something to offer God because God doesn't need your stuff. He doesn't need your goodness because our goodness is like filthy rags before him. And he needs a life lived for him, a life in obedience, a life that is full of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. And so today, church, as we're going to dedicate this building to the Lord and pray that his presence would be here in a special way and pray that his word would go forth and people would come to know him, this is also an opportunity for us to dedicate ourselves back to the Lord's service, that we ourselves would be a walking version of the church because we are the church. We often refer to the building as the church, but it's just a building. We are the church. So may we walk out of here as the church, full of the spirit of God, that we might be the church that we desire to be, that changes lives, that changes eternities, that is an impact in the community for Jesus Christ because we're about the Great Commission. We're about people coming to know Jesus and follow him, following him and being brought up as mature disciples of Christ, not ones who walk as babies throughout this life. And so church, as we kind of come to this point, I want to pray over us. And what I, what I want to do is I want to do something a, a little bit different. I want to ask you to stand. And I just want to ask you to grab the hand of the person or the people next to you. And if you're on a row by yourself, find a row with people. Bridge the gap. There we go. And I just want us to offer a prayer of dedication to the Lord today. For all of his goodness, all of his greatness, for his faithfulness, for his commitment to his people. And also offer ourselves to him. That we might say, take my life and use me for the good of your kingdom. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, or visit our website at huddocommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.